0: Hey everyone. As most of you know, I attended the Teach Better conference, Teach Better 22, in Akron, Ohio on October 14th and 15th. It truly was a wonderful event from both a learning perspective, but also from a networking perspective. Uh, personally, I mean, I finally got to meet so many of the members of the Teach Better team that I'd only known virtually, either through social media or Zoom. Anyway, I loved that part of the conference for sure. Now another surprisingly great part of the conference, and I say surprisingly because I wasn't sure what to expect was participating in Podcast Row, where so many of the Teach Better Podcast Network podcasters were set up doing interviews with various speakers and with conference participants. And that was a really fun part of the conference as well. So what I have for you today is the first of probably three bonus episodes from the conference where I had conversations with various presenters and participants in the conference. Today's episode features conversations with Suzanne Daly, Trisha Foster, Ken Ehrman, and Rob Dunlop. And this bonus episode has a bit of a fun theme running through it. I think you'll pick pick up on that came out of one of the social events at the conference. So, hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of Teach Better 22. here with Suzanne Daly. She is the host of the Teach Happier podcast. Uh, Small shifts, big gifts is the, uh, the phrase and uh, certainly the uh, upcoming author of the book Teach Happier this school year. Suzanne, welcome.
1: Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's
0: great to meet you. Great to be with you, you and certainly look forward to this quick conversation mm-hmm. about the conference. But tell us a little bit about the podcast, uh, Teach Happier podcast. What, what was it about that topic and that drew you to really sort of dig in and understand what it means to teach happier?
1: Yeah, so the podcast is in its third season and it's um I just felt like there's a lot out there about Self care, but not specifically targeted for educators. Right. And so um, we've got a finite amount of time. And so the podcast is just a five minute episode. It drops every Sunday afternoon to kind of help with those Sunday scaries. Mm-hmm. And it's a small, it's a short story. It's a small shift based in positive psychology. So there's a little bit of science sprinkled in there. Yeah, yeah. And it ends with just an invitation something for us to consider a small shift in our thoughts, our language, or our actions so we can enter the week into a we we like to say it's into the healthiest headspace and heart space as possible for our upcoming week working in schools and whatever our important role may be, right? So yeah. it's teachers, it's administrators, it's principals, it's custodians, it's secretaries, it's really anybody who faces kids.
0: Did you start this podcast during the pandemic or was it before the pandemic?
1: I did, yeah. It was um, December 2020 okay. when we started. Okay. And I say we, it's just me so and my class. You closet. and your production yeah. team? <laughs> it, my whole team. <laughs>
0: That's right. That's like this one, right? It's like I'm the producer yep. and everything, so yeah. for sure. And, and, and was it specifically for that reason or had you noticed over the years that there was just a... Um, uh, a decline in, in morale, a decline in happiness, decline in, in the professions, tr- certainly with educators, just the, sure. the load that, that they face each each year.
1: Right, so when everything happened with the pandemic in March, you know, we were all languishing in December. And so it was, what can we do quickly? Yeah. Um, just like a real quick something to give to teachers that um, won't require a lot of mental capacity because we give so much during the days, right? Yeah. To our school families, and then we come home and we want to give to our home families and sometimes we just don't have much gas left in the tank to do that. Yeah. So we also try and say that everything that can help us in the classroom, all the shifts that are shared on the podcast can help us show up really well at home as well because right. our work is just so human.
0: Yeah, and we bring it home with us a lot, right? Yeah. And it's Every it's day. here we are in the middle of October. I'm sure there's a lot of teachers right now who are feeling it. The yeah. the eu- sort of euphoria of the start of the school year is is dwindling they're getting into the grind so what are a couple of tips that you you would say are helpful for people to use remember what are those small tips that can bring those big gifts and allow them to sort of push through the school year and maintain some sense of balance in their lives
1: so i will warn you that we all often celebrate how underwhelming some of these small shifts are right because nobody has time for a grand 180 degree shift the sweeping change like no one's got the bandwidth for that so it's really small two degree shifts is is what we talk about and when those are practiced over time consistently that equals change permanent positive change so we honor the time of the school year it is so because to your point it's mid-october we're tired we've all gotten our back to school colds like we're you know we're in the routine which is so Routine at this point, right? right? And looking ahead to see when, when maybe is the next long weekend when we can rejuvenate a little bit, and those aren't coming right now, right? right? So we're trying to grind it out till Thanksgiving. Yeah. So we honor that, and so one of the small shifts coming up is the whole notion of taking care of tomorrow's you today. Ah. So what are some really small things, this small town, like? programming the coffee to at night to come on in the morning so that the tomorrow you will have a nice cup of coffee ready, right? Mm -hmm. Putting out your exercise clothes the night before. So if you're going to exercise in the morning, it's right there. Um, Clearing your desk at the end of your day so that when you show up the next day, you feel like you're a little bit more um, aligned in, in your work. Just really small things. Mm-hmm. Those These invitations often take less than 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, but again, when practiced consistently over time, that's when we can better take care of ourselves and we're showing up for our time kids, our students, our partners, our friends, our yeah. siblings, yeah. there's so many roles we play, right? Yeah, it
0: creates routine. Yeah. I think people mm-hmm. thrive on routine, yep. especially those small things. Like you say, sure. just setting the coffee yeah. is such a small thing, and yet it's a big thing that when you wake up in the morning, you can almost, you can smell it, yep. and you go you come downstairs, and, and the coffee is ready for you, for sure. Um, I just started subscribing to the podcast, having met you at the conference here, and I have to say, listeners, it's worth subscribing to. Some really good tips, and, and uh, it is short, as we were joking about how this podcast is not short. <laughs> So we were talking about uh, you subscribe to mine, I'll subscribe to yours, and and that is not a fair fair trade off. Now I got to give you some public props. Last night at the social, you are the cornhole champion. Oh, same word. So war. I'm going to give you that. Um, uh, you were uh, you and uh, Trish. It was Trish. It was Trish, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You uh, you you defeated us, and uh, I had to give you your public props for that. It was close and
1: then, one. Don't forget afterwards. Then with Ken, we beat you too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's twice. Yeah, that was an international <laughs> yeah. competition. Yeah, international competition. Uh, <laughs> once again, the United States beat Canada.
1: But uh, I'll tell you, you what, about that. Tom, another, to, to, you know, <laughs> something else we talk about, like creating space for fun, right. right? Like that's a really intentional decision for all of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so last night playing cornhole, just some folks could say like, oh, what a waste of time. Yeah. But the laughter, the memories, the connections yeah. from that cornhole game gives us the energy and bandwidth for our upcoming work and obligations, right? So sometimes we talk about stuff like that, too. That's right, that's right. And
0: and that kind of fun is you need that release, you need the opportunity to. So I think the the, the big picture here is just find ways to release some of that energy, have some fun, because we work hard, and we know educators work really hard, and being able to release some of that is really important. Tell us a little bit about the book, the upcoming book that you're publishing. It's called Teach Happier This School Year.
1: That's right. And so um, it's published by ASCD, and it's in a, it's,
0: Is it out now? No. It's It's coming out in January. Coming in January. Fingers crossed.
1: And it mimics the school year. So it's 40 weeks of, the subtitle is 40 weeks of inspiration and reflection, Mm -hmm. where similar to the podcast, you get a little story, some science to back up an invitation, and we reflect every 10 weeks, just like we give our students report cards. We do a deep dive on our own wellness and our own um you know what what are the shifts we tried that are making a positive change maybe what are some of the shifts that we didn't have the bandwidth for that we want to try and include space for so every 10 weeks just as we assess our kids we're doing the same for ourselves and and really becoming more cognizant of how we're showing up at home and at school
0: i think that's a great idea to have it sort of paced out in that and sort of idea of like 40 weeks and just kind of the way that you can work yourself through the school year so teach better conference here of course you were presenting but I'm, I'm curious just um, some of your takeaways from the conference what are some of the big takeaways for you that in terms of the experience here
1: the biggest takeaway is when energetic committed passionate educators are around other dedicated passionate energetic educators yeah. nothing can stop us no. like really and truly and, and that is not to sound toxic positivity that is not to dismiss the real challenges we're facing right now as educators But as a collective group, when we have each other, um, we really can do wonderful things for the kids in front of us. When we get
0: re-energized, we can tackle some of the challenges that are coming our way. I don't think there's anything toxic about that. I think we need to be recharged. We get recharged by ideas. We get recharged being around people. Um, all of that is such a, uh, it's not just the learning, mm-hmm. but it's the people you meet, the people you connect to, and all of that in our, in our roles. It, it recharges us for the rest of the year. You are from Doylestown, Pennsylvania, just yes. outside of, Phil- about an hour from Philadelphia? About an hour
1: from Philly, originally Buffalo. Originally Go Buffalo, Bills. okay. Um, but right. yes, been in the Doylestown area for about 20 years, and okay. it's just one of the most beautiful places
0: is that the best part of living in Doylestown? What's the best part of living in Doylestown?
1: The best part, um, other than the people, because obviously, yeah. um, the history, okay. right? Um, okay. Philadelphia is right there. I mean, that's the birthplace of America. So yeah. you've got not only that historical context, but you've got covered bridges and just the colors right now in the fall, the yeah. the battlefields. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. Lots yeah. of horses, yeah. sheep.
0: You it's get in really trouble, though, when the Eagles play the Bills, though, don't you? Well,
1: yeah, but they're different conferences, <laughs> yeah, so it's fair okay, enough. we don't, not, fair a, enough. not a lot, but good, it'll be good, really interesting because yeah, they're looking really good this season. Good time
0: to be a Bills fan, that's Great for sure. Talent. Suzanne, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate Thank it. You. Okay, I'm here with Trisha Foster. She's an elementary math coach from Doylestown, Pennsylvania, and uh, Trisha, you and I connected last night because you were my adversary. Uh, you and Suzanne defeated Rob and I in Cornhole, and uh, not happy about that. But we move on today's a new day <laughs> so um, here at the teach better conference um, i wanted to talk to you a little bit about elementary math and especially math for our youngest learners our k12 learners how do we build that number sense i think most of us kind of understand the idea of intervention at the upper grade levels and trying to recover and, and get them back on the trajectory but what are the most important things when it comes to starting with the littles how do we begin to build that number sense what are the most important things we can think about
2: so you actually mentioned a key word which is trajectory there actually is a a set of skills that children need Mm -hmm. to work to get to actual addition and subtraction so when we think of our youngest learners most importantly we think about setting that stage for the love of learning Mm. and looking at numbers and that they can be fun flexibility and thinking um, so really, it's about that early number sense of cardinality, which is when you count a set of numbers, how do I know how many I've counted? Um, there are so many research-based tools that we can use, like I, when I am working with teachers, I remind them of the resources that will highly engage our students. But actually put them on tra- on the trajectory of those number sense skills so for example I say that we have four BFFs in math we have our 10 frame we have our number bonds we have our five frame which is really that comes prior to the work of the 10 frame but really getting kids to work in that um, understanding of 10. And building that conceptual versus procedural, and really having them understand the flexibility of those numbers within 10 sets the stage, believe it or not, for yeah. the rest of the skills yeah. to come after.
0: Right. And how? Do, so, so when you think about math instruction at the youngest grade levels, what are what are some of the the don'ts what are some of the things that teachers can slip into that you know are not effective but they may be sort of traditional ways like what are some of the differences in terms of the modern way we approach numeracy versus some of those traditional ways what are some things so we want to
2: avoid? it's really important again you heard me say conceptual versus procedural right. so a lot of times we do a lot of teacher talking mm-hmm. and really it's um Suzanne Daly you mentioned her earlier yeah. is one of my um she's you know vc zan Daly, who i love and admire so much but she always says whoever does the talking does the learning yeah. and so putting your high level of questioning in front of those students yeah. to be able to have them see that through their questioning they're doing the thinking they're right. doing the responding right. they learn how to think about and not only think about what they're what they're doing but right. how they're explaining that thinking right. and most importantly when you have teachers doing a lot of the talking it's most abstract so we're not putting the tools the manipulatives like counters and 10 frames and five frames and number bonds in their hands so really the key is conceptual the Mm. key is bring those lessons alive and put the math in the students hands
0: awesome so how so give me an example okay i've got a first grade class give me an example of a prompt or something you would use to get kids talking about math
2: Sure. How about we just get a simple six plus five on the board Okay. and say to them, what do you know? How are you going to solve this? Uh, and most students will say, I just know it's 11. Uh, but how do you know it's 11? Show me. Mm-hmm. And that's where we back up to think about all of those things I explained to you earlier of that trajectory of number sense skills mm-hmm. and concepts students need before they can even think about six plus five. They need to know well, right, that's outside of 10. So you have 10 and some more because we know that 5 and 5, one of our combos of 10, I call them the complements of 10, right. students in that trajectory, that's one of the skills and concepts that come after all that counting and cardinality. So they need to know 6 and 4, 7 and 3, 8 and 2, 9 and one, ten 10 and 0. So the fact that if you put 6 and 5 on the board, there's multiple ways to get to that answer. You want to ignite that idea of there's multiple ways I can get there, and I want to know those multiple ways. Right. I don't want to be stuck on, I'm going to use, start at my bigger number, and I'm going to count on. Right. No, I can use a double plus one. I could use a double minus one. I can rip apart six with that number bond and, mm-hmm. and break it into smaller numbers. Right. So it's kind of like a number talk, which is really fascinating yeah. because you get talk about hitting all levels of learners. Right. You have enrichment, you have intervention, mm-hmm. you have students talking, just about a simple six plus five on the board.
0: Right. It. You know, you, you touched on two things that come to mind. One is that um, in my work in assessment, I, I say one of the most underutilized formative assessment strategies is to get kids talking to each other about their learning. So I love that part. And the other thing you make me think about is, is this exactly what When people talk about new math, we know the math isn't new, but it's the approach to teaching is that we're going from the what and the how to the why. We're trying to understand why uh, the concept is what it is, as opposed to just following an algorithm or just following a procedure. Is that that the difference in terms of math instruction now than what we would have seen maybe a generation ago? I
2: love that you brought that full circle because, yeah. um, And the why is exactly this. Let's think about a 6 plus 5 equals 11 problem. Right. The minute you turn that around for students, 11 equals 6 plus 5, it's like they've never seen that before, right? And it's understanding why are we doing 6 plus 5 equals 11. And that leads to algebraic concepts, right? right? We're balancing the equation, the purpose, the why behind just the... idea of the equal sign yeah so yeah you're looking at a number sentence you're looking
0: yeah, yeah
2: so it's not the what and the how it's yeah. the what the how but most importantly the
0: way most importantly the why. okay yeah. so we're here at teach better we talked about you know the social times that we've had and i think that's been a very big part of what this conference is all about is the connections that people have um but aside from that what are some of your big takeaways from the conference over the two days
2: i'd have to say the biggest takeaway is the energy here mm. the excitement yeah it has been a boost and refresher of just we are not alone and the the community and the privilege and the opportunities we have as educators to go out and really change the world through the lives of children they're our future and i say it all the time like they're the people that are going to take care of us and to be that inspiration and to the key to hold the key to part of that but to see a community of leaders have the same energy and motivation and passion in one place is pretty pretty exciting. Yeah,
0: the energy here is is fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right, last question, Uh, Tricia. You are, uh, like Suzanne, you're from Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Uh, What's the best part about living there?
2: I'd have to say at the close-knit community. Ah, So not only um, do I love that you have a small town that is full of some pretty passionate people as well. You have close-knit communities that are all working together really for the kids and continuing that close-knit community. So if if that makes sense, I can go further. You have a lot of organizations around within our community, within Central Bucks, that um, pours over into the neighborhoods and everyone kind of unites. Even though we're 15 elementary schools, 23 schools all together, you really don't think we're that big when you see the communities that come around. So it's a privilege to work there. It's a privilege to raise my children there. yeah, and beautiful, beautiful landscape and opportunity. Fantastic.
0: Tricia, great to meet you, and uh, thanks for doing this.
2: Thank you. It was so great to be here and work with you, Tom, and I can't wait to come back again to the Teach Better conference.
0: Here now is Ken Ehrman. Uh, Ken is from Penridge, Pennsylvania. You are an instructional coach yes, uh, at the middle school, high school level. You, are, of course, are the host of the Powered Up podcast. You are also a teammate, having lost in cornhole last night at The Social, and I have to admit, listeners, Ken carried the team during I our did. defeat. You absolutely did. I gave us uh, a shot, and uh, so then I
3: ditched you. You ditched found me. Found my American partner, and, and beat you and another fellow Canadian <laughs> you, yes, in our you international matchup. Yes, you did. You beat Rob and
0: us. I mean, it was just, uh, <laughs> yeah, you ditched me right away, but uh, it was fun playing anyway, so uh, uh, great to have you here.
3: Yeah, I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah. Tell us about uh, instructional coaching at the middle school, high school level. Um what what for what for you is the, the, the most rewarding part about that instructional
3: coach role? So when I started, it was the year we came back from COVID. So I'm in the district I've always taught him. Yeah. I was a fifth grade teacher, then I was an elementary STEM teacher. Okay. And then I moved into the middle schools and high schools as an instructional coach. And so I really didn't know any of the teachers. Our district's not huge, but it's a decent size. Um, A lot of my students all know are all in the middle school and high school that I've taught. um, But my relationships with with the teachers just weren't established. The benefit of coming back, of starting the year we came back from COVID is every teacher needed me to survive. Right. And so I was in probably 200 classrooms in the first week. Wow. And so it was a benefit in terms of me establishing one layer of trust with the teachers. Now that I'm in year three and we've moved beyond... Surviving and beyond the triage. Now it's about trying to support teachers, help teachers, maybe push them a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think some of the most rewarding work I do is with uh, very high-level content specialists, and that's what you will typically see right. in secondary, especially in high school. Yeah. And so, um, with a with one particular stat teacher last year, we kind of redesigned the whole last month of his school year. Uh, where the final was the final test was replaced with this experience we created for the kids, mm-hmm. and and now because of how we went about that process and we established trust with each other. Mm-hmm. He'll come up to me and say, I'm doing this unit. If you have any creative ideas, let me know and just tell me when you're going to come in and run the lesson. And so that layer of trust is there. And it's great for me because he knows the content at a much higher level than me. Mm -hmm. But I can approach it from a different mindset and almost simplify it at times for him. Um, So I really enjoy working with teachers where I can tap into their expertise and just bring a different mindset or a different perspective to possibly increase student engagement, uh, just just to mix things up, make it more fun for them because right. they've done the same thing for so long. Right. And when you mix it up, sometimes the teacher just has more fun delivering the, the right. content.
0: Does that um, subject specialization, the fact that you are not the content, does, does that make the coaching a little bit easier in the sense that, You're not both, you know, high school physics teachers and you don't know the physics content or you don't know the biology content, but from a coaching perspective, does it actually make it easier than in some respects or or not?
3: I think that an asset that I have is I've taught every subject. Oh, okay. So as a fifth grade self-contained teacher, I've taught every subject. Now, obviously I didn't teach Chem 2. Right. But... I've taught science, right? Okay. So I understand the learning processes that go in, that are involved in that. Yeah. And so I think I'm I'm a I'm a jack of all trades in terms of instruction. I've done STEM, so I understand the the feel of being a special or encore teacher. You uh. know, kids coming in once a week. So right. I think my diverse experience has allowed me to um, really help teachers of any subject area. And so I think that's something that I can offer. I do a little bit of consulting and presenting to outside districts. And again, I just, I love when I sit down with a teacher I've never met before, listen to them, and they put me on the spot of like, do you have any ideas or what advice do you have? And almost like challenging myself to come up with ideas or maybe even just ask them more questions to help them generate yeah. their own ideas.
0: Has that ever been an issue for you being an elementary teacher trying to I, I would imagine there's also a flip side which is you're an elementary trained teacher and now you're coaching at the high school level mm-hmm. middle school level. Yep. Um, has that ever come up in terms of uh, a question or whatever and how did you navigate through that?
3: I've never had a teacher flat out say like what do you know you're an elementary teacher. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm sure there are teachers that may not want to uh, utilize me right away because right. I don't have a secondary background. And maybe they don't see it. They don't know. Um, right. It. Yeah. So, but you know, through facilitating professional development in my district, through interacting with teachers, I think that they're looking beyond that and seeing that I do have skills that I can offer to help them. Yeah. Um, for me, it's been a, a growth over time for me as well. Where you know, when I first started, I wanted to try to provide solutions, or I wanted to try to push ideas and sometimes teachers don't want those ideas they just want you to help with what you want to help with Mm -hmm. and so i've i I think i've done a better job of dialing myself back and just listening to what the teacher wants uh asking them follow-up questions to help them come up with their own ideas or just being there to help with what they what they want me there for yeah and then if there's the do you have any other ideas Mm -hmm. or what do you think about this if they are asking for that then i will you know take the conversation to the next level
0: a lot of teachers out there may be thinking to themselves i you know i'd I'd love to be an instructional coach i love Mm -hmm. the idea of working and coaching teachers and all that but two questions one is how do i know Mm -hmm. i'm ready for that Mm -hmm. how do i know i'm ready to take on that role Mm -hmm. and second of all how do i sort of get into that role Mm -hmm. how do i let people know
3: so i don't think it's anything you can totally prepare prepare for like anytime you're taking on a new position like if you were to become a principal like right. you can only do so much to prepare yourself right i would say skills that you're going to need are you need confidence in in listening to people in um just helping people yeah. which we naturally do as teachers but it's different with adults you should be experienced in delivering professional development, so whether that's applying to go to conferences like this and, and put yourself out there and right. present, or talk to your principal, hey, can I present this idea at our next faculty meeting? So start to expose yourself with delivering professional development, because that's going to be a big part of your job. Right. Um, and also, just are, you know, are you ready to step out of the classroom? That's something that you have to consider. There's there's pros and cons to it. Mm-hmm. The pro is it's a little bit more flexible on the personal side of life. Right. You know, I, I The first thing I always remind teachers of is your job is harder than mine. You're in the trenches. So when we do this activity or I show you this strategy, if you're interested in it, let me know and I will do all of the work to design the lesson and then you can deliver it or I can deliver it or we can deliver it together because I have the freedom to just lock my calendar for an hour to work on something. Right. Whereas you don't have that as teachers. So there's that benefit, but then you also lose the student relationship piece. Right. Um, so just, are you ready to give that up? As far as pursuing it, you know, if your district has it, wait for the opening. If your district doesn't have it and there's a, one close by, you know, apply for it. Right. And the way I looked at it is if I didn't like it or I have done it for a few years and I feel it's enough or I'm losing touch to the classroom and I need to get back into the classroom, I'm still just a teacher. Like I'm on a teacher contract, 10 month employee in our union. So I can just say, hey, I'd like to go back to the elementary classroom next year. And when there's an opening, I can just do that.
0: There does come a point where you need enough experience, right? right. That you don't want to get into coaching too soon because right. you also have to sort of navigate building credibility with mm-hmm. faculty and all of right. that. Okay, yep. let's shift gears here. Let's talk about the Powered Up podcast. Sure. Um, tell us about it. Uh, We're listeners. First of all, let's just talk about what it, what what, sure. what is the podcast, yep. and then we'll get, get into how we can find so
3: it. So we launched in January of 2021. 20, all right. Uh, yeah, 2021. Okay. And ironically, we... I I was working with my co-host Matt so I do it with my my friend Matt Rogers Um, he's just comes on and joins our conversation every week yeah so when we finally decided we were doing it I prepared everything I picked a date I said this is the date that we're launching I'm just starting it every Thursday and we're never going to look back ironically I chose inauguration day for Joe Biden which (laughs) was the worst day to launch anything (laughs) because no one was not not that anyone was really looking for it anyway but it it was just funny Um, so we've We've aired every week, so we're up to about 92 shows. Fantastic. I've had about 80 to 85 guests, and criteria for being a guest is pretty much that you're just a classroom teacher. Okay. I've had a couple authors, a couple yeah. keynote speakers, mm-hmm. but our bread and butter is is just great teachers. Right. Um, my goal is to talk to a teacher in every state. I think I'm up to about 30 or 35 states, okay. maybe a little bit higher. Okay. I have a map on our website that has a pin location of everyone I've talked to. Mm-hmm. But I like to say that we're I'm um, just part of the best conversations in education our show is unscripted we have a teacher come on, Mm -hmm. we learn about them, we just start to dig into their passions, their niches as a teacher what do they do that they think makes their classroom special and we just have great conversation. Guests will throw questions back at us, Matt's a fourth grade teacher Um, so we just have great conversations that I think the original goal was to empower our listeners to hear ideas that Mm -hmm. they could apply to their classroom or to hear ideas and say hey I do that too and feel good that they're hearing someone on a podcast do something that they do and Mm -hmm. reaffirm that. But the thing that has been really cool is so many of our guests have said to us right after the recording or emailed me a couple days later that the experience for them was incredibly empowering. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of our guests are now presenting a lot, they're just classroom teachers. So they don't have a space where they can, the the one guest I had I'll never forget, she said, I've never had an experience where I was able to share my narrative yeah share their narrative as a teacher their story so for sure um i think it's inspirational but you'll also hear a lot of concrete specific things that you can do in your classroom
0: fantastic um and despite your defeat of team canada last night (laughs) in the cornhole competition don't forget, there's teachers in Canada, too, who would also love to be. I so would if, love to. Yeah. if there's teachers out there listening right now that would love to come on and, and reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you?
3: So the best way is to um, either just go to our website. There's a form that you can fill out. You can just follow us on social media. And the media. website is? It's PowerEDUUp.com. Okay. So there's an extra there's an extra U in there okay. from Powered Up okay. for two reasons. One, we're powering edu up okay but also powered up wasn't an available domain so i had to run with that branding as well
0: <laughs> well you got to um, do what you got to do yep. right so
3: power edu yeah. up com up on twitter you can just message me there uh <clears throat> and we'll we'll get the ball rolling from there
0: fantastic uh finally you are from penridge pennsylvania yes what is the best part of living in penridge pennsylvania so
3: penridge is the school district so it's like Perkasie is the actual town oh percasie uh, okay. okay um and it's in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and i think some of the best things that we have are just we get to enjoy the four seasons. Yeah. Um, many people have, are saying that about the four right. seasons. We have sure. we have yeah. beautiful weather. Yeah. Uh what's what's interesting about Perkasie, it's a very small town is we have the oldest outdoor tree lighting ceremony in the United States of America. Wow. The long or the longest running. Longest running. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the it's i think this is like going to be the 108th or 109th tree lighting ceremony yeah, and it's a cool. really i took my kids for the first time last year and it's a really really cool experience they like yeah. the trees santa comes in on a fire truck it's just a oh, that's really, really cool. cool experience yeah fun
0: yeah. Oh, great uh, so again despite the defeat great to meet you Ken. Yes. we were teammates at one point you yep. abandoned me yep. i understand why uh but great to meet you thanks for
3: doing this absolutely thank you yeah
0: all right, here with Rob Dunlop uh, from St. Catharines, Ontario. Great uh, great to see you again, Rob. We were, of course, together last night at the uh, the infamous now Cornhole Championships.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was trying to forget that. Uh, thanks, <laughs> for, <laughs> thanks for
0: bringing that up. The, uh, I think listeners have now got the full lineage of... Uh, my uh, my teaming up with Ken, uh, getting ditched, you joining the team, it was Team Canada versus Team USA, and unfortunately we lost last night.
4: And I just want to apologize because I feel like I let you down. Well, I
0: let Ken down, and that's why you abandoned me, but it's all about levels of, of, of I know. Uh, So the,
4: the Canada-US thing really pumped up the intensity of that <laughs> it match. Did. I feel like I let down my country well, last night. Well, yeah.
0: We're, I think we'll still be allowed back home, but... Uh, We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We may, not be, allowed back we home may the- not be allowed back <laughs> home. They may take the Canada card from us. Yeah, for uh, sure. All right. In all seriousness, um, we're here to teach better. Uh, so let me just start with your impressions. Um, the Teach Better conference. Uh, why'd you come? Why are you here? What is it about the Teach Better experience that really resonates with you?
4: Well, it's exactly what it, what i thought it was going to be like i uh i was watching from afar on twitter and just seeing all the amazing people and seeing like all these people that i've been connected through with through my author group and through uh boards i presented at or friends that i've created and i saw they were all going to one spot and it was the teach better i'd done some blogging with teach better and like i was kind of like when when you're an author and you're kind of sometimes you feel like you're really on your own in some ways so I, I, I found that Teach Better seemed to be the, the group that I kind of most related to and had like a lot of the personalities that yeah. I seemed to be drawn to. So when I had the opportunity to come down and I only lived like four hours away, I was like, there's so many great people, why would I not go? So yeah. I just jumped in my car. I'm not presenting. I'm just here trying to meet amazing people and hang out and have a lot of fun. Oh, fantastic. Now, you mentioned you're an author. You wrote the book, Strive for Happiness. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book and,
0: and what was the uh, sort of genesis of it or? What what inspired you to write the book?
4: Yeah, I came in education like in my first like several years, and I just loved everything about it. I loved the pedagogy. I loved I loved the kids, and I felt like, and then like I don't know why it changed, but I I lost that somewhere throughout the journey, and I think my my focus started changing, and I was no longer just focusing on the students. I was focusing on like the politics and all these things, and I, I got to a spot where. I was one signature away for leaving education completely and going down the ed tech route. Wow. And I was um, it was it was tough because it was it was scary to me and then there was like times where I just like I was just becoming jaded and I was like and I, you know it kinda reminds me of what the keynote said today of like three fingers when you're pointing at someone three fingers are pointing back mm-hmm. and I realized that I remember getting into education thinking I wanna make an impact. I wanna and then I, I, I thought, well, I'm not going to, why'd I lose that? So I said, I'm going to go back mm-hmm. and try and rediscover. And I thought it was motivation, to be honest. I, I started reading a lot and thinking a lot about how do I stay motivated in education because so I thought that was the issue. And then midway through that journey, I read a book on positive psychology and I realized that it wasn't so much motivation I was concerned about. It was like losing that love that, mm. and then it, it just kind of went down to like like how happy I was in the profession and somehow that slipped to the point like I was ready to leave and then I just took ownership of it and to be honest I'm not someone that went like Look to write a book I was on my own like personal journey of like healing and like trying to get back to where I was at the beginning of my career but then like people would start saying to me like you know I think once you start like are so deep into something you just want to talk to everyone about it you want to tell everyone about it people start saying like you should do presentations so I do a presentation and then it would lead to another one and it would and then they're like well you do the presentation well why isn't it a book and then I remember I had a whiteboard right above my computer and I would always get these ideas in the shower and I'm yeah. like, running up out with half naked, like <laughs> writing these ideas on this board. And so right above my computer, one day I look up and I had like a ton of ideas yeah. and I was like, and then one of my friends, like, cause I'm weird cause I'm not very self promotional. Like that's kind of my, my fault as an author is I don't really do a lot of that. But like, um, my friend says you're you're just not servicing the people that you could be servicing like you're, you're not giving right. it to other people like you're being almost selfish about it and i never really thought about it like yeah. that it's a good way of putting it yeah and so i was like you know what i'm gonna actually see about this and i and it was really funny because my wife came downstairs and i had this it was like five in the morning i, I don't wake up that early yeah. and she's like what's wrong with you i was like i'm writing a book and you know she said to me she goes you've never read a book rob and i said at that time i go you're correct like <laughs> and i said but just like anything i'll it out, yeah. And I think when you're so like passionately in love with something, yeah. you just figure it out. So I read all these books and I figured out who I liked and what I liked about books. And, mm-hmm. and I just keep, but my, my big thing was like when I was writing the book was like living it. Like I didn't just want to like kick out a book. I right. was like, so like if I write a chapter on gratitude, I would for three, four months straight like try and involve everyone in a conversation on gratitude or I'd be listening to podcasts I'd be reading the books I'd be doing the work and then when I felt like I kind of had a handle on it then I would actually start writing that chapter and then so that's why it it took me like four years to write because I was just living it out and then you know in my book I find it interesting because there's all these like tips on how educators can build happiness into their like jobs right. and but people say to me like do you do all these I said no I don't do all of them. of I just do the ones that work for me but they work for other people right. so I'm assuming they work in some dimension right. so that's why I was adding but there's some like just key things that I've picked up while writing that book that yeah. have brought the happiness back okay and, let's
0: talk about those what what are some of those key things oh,
4: number one is gratitude yeah. like uh, I grew up with like um, amazing parents the most amazing sister and so I've always felt grateful. Like I've mm-hmm. always felt like I'm a great, I'm, I, I, I know what I have and like, but I never intentionally practice gratitude mm-hmm. and I didn't realize there was a, like a difference there. Right. And so like, and so like, as, as I said, I would go through all these things and what I ended up stumbling on was an app to practice gratitude called Happy Feed. Okay. And I, I found that app. Uh, like 1,350 days ago. And the only reason I know it is because I've done it every day since I found it. Oh, wow. And I found that, and I'm not to say that happy feeds for everybody, but mm-hmm. for just the way I'm wired, it, like I can put pictures in, I get notifications. And I went through a phase where I was like, I need to make my phone part of my happiness. I can't, right. I don't want my phone, I don't want social media to draw me away. I, right. I found it that that's right. what was happening. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, how do I ch- take this device that is worth X amount of dollars and make it a, a great part of my life, right? right? right. So I, I end up, downloading this app and i i, I always tell so I, I i'll try i'll try you through but like so i was doing it for like i had, had my first ever keynote and like it was a big deal because i never really pictured myself doing a keynote in my life yeah, right and so the next day i um i was you know I, I don't even remember your first time you ever talked like that it's yeah. like you're on a high well yeah. the next day i get a call and my mom's in a hospital and she's not doing well and it's like a Pretty much a terminal kind of thing we've got mm. going on and I went from this high to this super low and like that day was like the worst day of my life hands down the worst mm. and um I got home at night and my phone buzzes at 10 10 after 10 and it says what are you grateful for and at that point I just wanted I didn't want to talk to anybody mm-hmm. I just wanted to be in a corner and just like I didn't know what I wanted but I just didn't want to be around anyone right and uh I said what are you grateful for and I was just like well, how can you be grateful you find out your mom's dying like yeah. And then I thought about it, and then I I filled it out that night. I talked about the nurses. I talked about my buddy coming down from Toronto Mm -hmm. to support me. I talked about how my wife was holding up the back end in the family while I was dealing with this. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, if I can do this on the worst day of my life, I can do it every day after that. Absolutely. And I find, like, it's what... um, it's what gets me through the tough times the grad- like I feel like you have to work on yourselves when things are going well yeah. it's too hard to work on these things when you're in a, a right. I like Peaks and Valleys my favorite book but when you're in valleys it's really hard to establish these like healthy habits of happiness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I think that one's huge for me like the gratitude I think savoring like, I remember you wrote your first book and, like, the question you get all the time is, aren't you so excited for your first book? And I, w- and I would answer, yeah, I'm like, I can't wait, right? And then I did some work on mindfulness and savoring, mm-hmm. and it was just, like, the idea of, like, why am I looking that far ahead? So people, after that, after learning about it and thinking about it a lot, it was, mm-hmm. like, if you asked me, like, are you excited about your book coming out? I'd say, no, I'm excited about, I got an editor. Yeah. Like, she's finding a million mistakes right now right. or like I'm, I'm getting to design my own cover on Photoshop and yeah. my answer was always very specific to the moment I was in and I mm-hmm. felt like I got to enjoy that whole process mm-hmm. like it wasn't like uh, I got to wait till the end and I finally got the book right and then when I get the book sure yeah it's eyes well up in tears yeah. but I had about 20 of those before that right. just focusing on so In my life now, I just try and focus on like, and I think gratitude and savoring kind of play off each other. I think that's kind of part of it, right? Like when you're practicing gratitude all the time, you you get to realize like you're highlighting those moments. Like Mm -hmm. this conference, I have so many like moments where I'm going to be grateful for, but it also at the same time, I'm looking for those moments. I'm also thinking like, man, these moments are are like, I just got, I got to be in that moment (laughs) with them. I can't be in the next event or the next Mm -hmm. thing I got to do. I just got to be here. So Yeah. yeah. I've been here, and it's, it's, this conference is top-notch. Maybe,
0: maybe you weren't present during our cor- cornhole match, and that's why things—you know—you were a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think I got my own head <laughs> in that cornhole match. I was like, "How can I throw one, yeah. and
4: then I can't throw the, then I throw Fair the enough. next one?"
0: It's all good, Rob. When we think about gratitude, we know that on the one hand, we want gratitude to be a habit in our lives. We know how powerful it can be. Yeah. How do we prevent that from becoming sort of this mundane? daily set of routine how do I how do I keep how do you keep it fresh even though it becomes a routine to make sure that you're getting the full impact
4: yeah well I read a lot about routines Mm -hmm. and like Charles Dougie like the power of habit and like Mm -hmm. it's very interesting with habits and I'll get to the answer to that question is that when Like, there is a point where if you just keep doing the same thing, it just loses all impact, right? Right. So, like, a lot of times people will be like, oh, I do this. And so the key is that you you switch up how you're doing it and you make changes to it. And when it doesn't work, you find another way to do it, Mm -hmm. right? So for me, with a Gratitude app, what really helps is being ultra-specific. Mm. So you could, you could have someone that does, it kind of reminds, reminds me of your assessment, like talk you did where you said like ABCD and, and, and you had the one, two, three, four, five. And you say like, you could, it's, it's like when you, I could, I could go into my gratitude app and say, I'm grateful for the lunch that was provided for me. I'm grateful for the keynote that was really grateful. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful to have more time to spend with Tom, but like, that's, I find like that doesn't last long right but i find like very specific moments in there mm-hmm. and what i also find is that because i can attach images to it i get a vivid um picture back of it yeah. right yeah. so i feel like i feel like switching it up and and i there'll be a point maybe where i i change it like i don't do an app i maybe do right. a gratitude walk or you have to keep switching it up but i think the number one thing is like self-reflection is this working like am I investing time right. in things that are having value or am I just doing it because like, here's a very interesting one so I got this thing going on like um, physical objects and like you, you attach a meaning to an object so I put this rock in my pocket yeah. it said yeah. harmony on some teacher gave it to me and I would carry it all the time and it was having a massive impact on my mindfulness I was really focused mm-hmm. I was like and then after a while I was just carrying around a rock I had this rock in my pocket for like six months and I never thought of it I never touched it I never pulled it out I never what am I doing and so now I take the rock out and like I have it here on this conference Mm -hmm. if I have moments like I'm going to the hospital I bring it with me and it has that same power it had at the beginning Uh, and so I blend it in same with like my wedding ring I only wear my my. I wear like a wedding band like a plastic one mm-hmm. but I wear my wedding ring on super special moments for me and it just it, it adds that specific value okay. I wear it every day it's just another part of what I do yeah. but when I put it on I think of my wife I think of my wedding day I think of like I want her in that moment with mm-hmm. me right, right? and yeah. so I, I, I find like things like that of just keeping it fresh but always going back to mm-hmm. that how did I get there Like it's 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 like you know like I think we do we start things then we don't assess them and I and in my book I talk about how like I I believe like happiness is a prescription Mm -hmm. like your eyeglasses and it's not like you get a pair of eyeglasses when you're forty. And it's just, you just do that and you're mm-hmm. good for the rest of your life. You go to an eye doctor every year and check in and see like, is, is that good? Or is it working, still working? If it's not, you make yeah. some changes. And so that's yes. what I do. I just, I'm always self-reflecting saying, can I be doing more? And my, it's simple. I just want to be happy Yeah. and I just want to enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. And like, and when things aren't going right now, I, I look at myself in the mirror and I ask what I'm doing and I'm not really worried about what other people yeah. are doing And if it it, and maybe some some people are causing me issues or they're causing some of it. But it's my responsibility to make that change and find some happiness in another whatever. Right. right. So that's where I go now. Fantastic. Uh,
0: Rob, it's obvious you are passionate about this. Uh, We could probably talk for another hour. Uh, Love it. Um, Obviously, as I mentioned, you're from St. Catharines, Ontario. Despite the rivalry, the West Coast East Eastern rivalry between sports teams out west and, and Ontario, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What is the best part of living in St. Catharines?
4: Uh, uh, I think living three blocks from my mom and four blocks from my sister. Fantastic. That's why I moved back. From I was a personal trainer all around the world, and I moved back. And everyone's like, Why did you leave that job? And I said. Well, you'll see why. And I bought a house right in the neighborhood, and yeah. that's where I'm gonna raise my kids. Family. And yeah, family's it, right? It's yeah. the number one thing. Love it. If they move, yeah. I'll move. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Well, Rob, great to meet you uh, this weekend. Uh, great to connect, even though we lost uh, our cornhole match, but uh, we'll get over it eventually. Uh, but thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Yeah, my
4: pleasure. Come back next year. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>